This is the Rebel Scum Podcast. Available in video on YouTube and audio wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every week, Brock and James talk the latest rumors, news, and theories from a galaxy far, far away. Support us on Patreon for exclusive offers and join the Star Wars discussion. Patreon.com slash Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brock and James. You're always scum. Rebel scum. This will be a day long remembered. Because today is Star Wars Podcast Day 2023, the third annual celebration of our Star Wars fan audio community. This year, over 115 shows plan to take part, releasing episodes on February 7th or shortly thereafter. Why February 7th? Because that is the 24th anniversary of the premiere of Jedi Talk, the very first Star Wars podcast way back in 1999. You can search hashtag Star Wars Podcast Day, hashtag Star Wars Podcast Day 2023, or hashtag SWPD 2023 to find episodes commemorating the event. And we get this cool green logo, which looks awesome. And I kind of wish, this you know, like the Force Awakens. This was your dream. Yeah, this I like this a lot. Dream for, for Star- <laughs> well, you went all, didn't they all kind of use different colors on the sequels, didn't they? Weren't they? Yeah, uh, they, they used green, uh, yeah. yellow, red, and then blue. Yeah, which was kind of your dream. So maybe we'll get green eventually. Maybe the Damon Lindelof. He's Andrew Fantasia. I'm James Rosilla. Thanks for joining us. Star Wars Podcast Day. Great day. We weren't a part of this last year. You've never been a part of this, Andrew, but we weren't a part of this last year. We skipped last year, had a lot of busyness going on, but this year we're back. Rebel Scum Podcast is back. This is Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah. Goodbye. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. That's it. That's it. We're the world's shortest Star Wars podcast. Bye-bye. I hope everybody has a wonderful just, day. Just take <laughs> off. Just, just out of here. <laughs> oh, God. It is. It's a great day. And you know what? There was, there's so little to talk about in Star Wars until Mandalorian comes out, right? Like, you'd think that there'd be a lot to talk about, but because you know, they promised us, you know, a movie a year of like 10 years ago, a decade ago, we were told to be a movie a year for all time. Obviously, Solo uh, nicks that. <laughs> Good old Solo kind of ruined that for us. Uh, makes those who happen, I guess. Uh, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about the music of because we have gotten a lot of a lot of Star Wars, and I think where Star Wars is today is where George Lucas wanted it to go, which is serialized television uh, st- streaming. I don't think he knew what streaming was. I don't even think that was something he envisioned. But I think this is where he. I think this is his trajectory of Star Wars. I think this is where he ultimately kind of wanted it to end up. So. That being said, we've gotten several shows, Mandalorian, Boba Fett, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Andor. Am I missing a show? I mean, there's Bad Batch and Tales. Like those, we should count those, actually, because what we're going to talk about, actually, I think those will tie into as well. But we've gotten a lot of shows. Some that Lucas, um, I mean, he's never really been involved in any of them, but some you can really feel like, like Obi-Wan Kenobi is a very Lucas-centric kind of yeah. character. And obviously, he was in you know, on the set of the first season of Mandalorian holding that, that infamous photo of him holding at the time, baby Yoda. So we've got a lot of it, but Andrew, I wanted to talk today with you about the music of, of these shows, because we heard earlier this week, there's reports from Bespin Bulletin and other, I think other sites stating that uh, the composer of the Mandalorian, whose name I'll let you address 
I will not be returning for season three. Uh, he just came off of Black Panther, and I believe there's a few other Creed three. He also stepped away from. Uh, just a very busy composer. Probably needs a break. Guy has been nonstop since like the beginning of of this decade or last decade. So I want to know your thoughts on on him stepping away from Mando season three. Um. Well, music. And score have always been a big deal to me. I mean, you know that, James. Everybody who's kept up with the show knows that. I talk about that a lot. You never once mentioned music. Never. Not even a little bit. I've never hummed a tune in my life. But I am (laughs) in love with Star Wars music, as I think everybody listening to this probably loves a good Star Wars song. Um, Ludwig Gornson is a busy man. I I really would have butchered that name. (laughs) He... um, See, I feel like if Hollywood has a shortage of one type of professional right now, it is like really talented composers for scores. Like they they need more because right now it's Ludwig Gornson, Michael Giacchino, and Hans Zimmer. Like no nobody else is getting work. It's those three, and they're all fantastic. Um, especially Giacchino is my favorite. But you you know you can't expect them to do every big movie. Um, and Ludwig Gornson stepping down from Mandalorian, it's a little bit disconcerting. I don't think it means we're going to get bad music, but it does kind of worry me just in one small sense, and that sense is this. There's tons of composers who work on movies and, and TV shows who can do perfectly good scores, Right? There's tons of talented composers, way more talented than I would ever be musically, who can do good scores. But there's way fewer who can do great themes. And there's a big difference. The Book of Boba Fett composer, Joseph Shirley, he does the score of Book of Boba Fett, but hum me one tune from the score of Book of Boba Fett. The only thing you can hum for me is the theme. And that was actually done by Ludwig Gornson. He made the Book of Boba Fett theme. That whole like, do 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 do, do 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 do. The one that where they're like, Fett, the one you hear in the credits over the beautiful, um, what do you call it, concept art. So that's all Ludwig. And of course, Ludwig gave us the Mandalorian theme too, which has become, at least for me, and I know probably for millions of other people, like a classic Star Wars tune. It sounds like something you would have heard in the 80s. Um, So the idea of Joseph Shirley taking over the whole show, I mean, I'm sure he'll do a fine job because there's great music in the book of Boba Fett, but they're, aside from the one great theme in it, which Michael Giacchino wrote, like what's he going to bring to the table? Because that's the thing. Shirley hasn't proven to us yet that he can give us a good like a great memorable character theme. And that is more but important I don't he, than you know. I don't think he has to because he already has it with what he's walking into. And I think, you know, I look at it, I I think the music of Boba Fett was fine. And I think, but and I think arguably it was up there with Mandalorian season two. I don't think he did anything super special with Mando season two. That mm-hmm. would scare me away from this transition so much. Um, I and you know you look at if we compare it to the movies. I know Giacchino was rushed in the Rogue One score, but I thought uh, I forget his name. I think it was John something who did solo. I think the sco- solo music is probably the most underappreciated Star Wars music we've gotten because it's from the movie that was 
last on our rankings list because most people seem to, uh, as much as they want a sequel, just don't have that up in their top five or ten anymore. So it's there. But I think that music, like that music, is just solid. And of course, John Williams came in and did Han Solo's theme for that film as well. But the music overall, I think, is really well. And but the the one thing that that surely has to do more than anything is not worry about creating anything is worry about using what he his arsenal using what he has because he has the mandalorian theme and one thing that solo did so well was he utilized the star wars themes so well in that one like the you would get little john williams no here and there they would kind of poke up once in a while when you need it like when chewie and and honor flying the falcon through the like they just they pick up and you're like oh yeah it's star wars it's star wars yeah and i think that's really the the main job he's going to have is just knowing when to separate what he's doing with what needs to happen right like the, get out of your like put your ego aside and be like this is the music for the show and i think he did that with the book of boba fett well i think incorporating it in and i don't think it had lyrics until the very end too <laughs> right like with those lyrics like Somewhere yeah, the just so, in the credits, I, I think. Yeah, I like to pretend that uh, that he wrote those lyrics. I'm <laughs> probably taking a poop. Um, so, so that's how I. That's why I'm okay with it because I thought, like, I love the Mandalorian music. Do not get me wrong. And season one and season two, I really like. But I didn't think there was nothing in season two that I don't think blew my mind. If, if I remember correctly, nothing that really blew my mind. It just it all felt like it was part of the Mandalorian. And so for me, I'm I'm like let's continue down that path and i think i think surely i think work obviously favreau you know working with him on boba fett obviously there was a connection there to like each other because i thought the, the music in boba fett like you said like it, there was nothing nothing blew me away <clears throat> and the most memorable one is obviously boba fett's score but really that's the only one you needed now 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 andrew we'll get to reel it in for a second because there is a one piece of music in the book of boba fett that was controversial at the time that was a techno kind of music that happened when they were modding each other up right now this is where i'm going to go off the rails here <laughs> not really but i had this thing too because people are complaining that bad batch is too much um filler episodes of bad batch and then the last of us has just been for me has just been so much filler i'm like i don't understand how you can complain once filler and then you're calling one a masterpiece other than one's animated one's live action and i'm going to say the same thing here book of boba fett everyone complained about that techno music when it was going on and then andor comes in and it's got a freaking like 80s guitar riffs going on when he's walking away and i was like this is the same vibe i'm getting the same vibe no one says a word not one person says a word now I'm okay with both of them. I'm totally okay. But so that's the, that's the only thing I want to bring up is those two because I thought the music, I think the music in all the shows so far the only real memorable tunes for me have been from Mandalorian and the Boba Fett theme. Those are the only two on TV. I thought Obi Wan was pretty weak in terms of score. I don't remember. Mm. I honestly don't. I know John Williams did his main theme, but I don't remember like any of the music from Obi Wan Kenobi. Andor was good, but it was kind of generically sci-fi. Like it, it, serviceable. I would say Andor was serviceable music. It wasn't. It's not negative. It's not positive. It just it did its job, which yeah. is fine. And if I think if we, but I think Mandalorian really was kind of like here's something in this direction. And so those, for me, honestly, of all the streaming, and but I will say Rebels. Let's go with Rebels. We'll say Rebels. Um, Rebels for me though probably has the most solid across the board music musically and it's for an animated series 
and they had a lot of episodes as well. But uh, so that's my spiel. Let me hear your spiel. No, you're right. The Book of Boba Fett had perfectly cool, fine, serviceable music, and I think Joseph Shirley will do a good job with Mando season three. Maybe uh, you know he got practice with those two and a half Mando episodes that Book of Boba Fett had, right? So. <laughs> He's basically already got his foot in the door. Basically, that was his, um, that was actually his uh, audition tape. Was those, yeah. those two. That's why those two are Mando heavy. They're like, can you do Mando three? Do these episodes? Ludwig's just like, listen, I'm stepping out. Don't tell anybody, but here you go. Um, the yeah, the Obi Wan music. I, I mean, it's been a little less than a year since that show came out. Yeah, I really couldn't tell you what was going on in the music wise there. I'd have to revisit it. Andor was more, Andor was totally cool music, but yeah, it was more Blade Runner than Star Wars. Yeah. And that's fine because it kind of fit the feeling of the show. So I understand. Obi-Wan uh, needed more of the classic Star Wars elements in, in it, like Solo had. Like it needed more of those callbacks. And it had it. No, did it have it at one point? There was one point in the series where it didn't have it and it it, like it would have made the scene better had it called back to a John Williams score. Mm. And it was on the it was on the um the what are the Inquisitor death ship was that area called? That area when they were leaving, there was a moment I'm like and the music wasn't it reminded me of when I watched Jurassic World by your boy Giacchino and the through Jurassic themes swelled up over the park and not the dinosaur. And I was like, where, where I was, I felt like I was like, something was missed for me. It felt like that. I'm like, you're mi-, like, it's like you had it. Like it was like this part, they're on the ship. I'm like, you have it, you have the music and you went with something I'm going to forget in a minute. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, it's okay. Uh, the, that seems to be a trend though with, with Hollywood is that when it comes to score, it's just, I got to use air quotes because I hate saying this, but it's just not cool anymore to have a classical bombastic old school Hollywood score, like the kind of thing John Williams would give you. Uh, Giacchino's stuff comes really, really close. It's like 98% there. Um, But other than that, like I feel like with Obi-Wan Kenobi, that should have had that classic old feeling, but they're so afraid of that sound. I don't know. Like, do people think it's cheesy now to just have like horns? Yeah, I I don't get it. And what made Mandalorian's theme and music so special for me anyway, is it felt not only did it feel like Star Wars, but it felt like that show would have come out in the eighties with the exact same music. Um, Like you, I could just totally picture kids in like 1986, waking up early in the morning, (laughs) sitting down on their carpet in front of their wood panel TV, turning it on and hearing, right? It it just totally fits the mold of classic Hollywood. Perfect for a Nintendo, original Nintendo game. I know, right? Like an 8-bit sound, that would totally play off on that. Oh my God. Somebody must have made an 8-bit version of that. I've probably seen it and that's why I thought of it when you sang it. (laughs) I, I don't know if they have. Send me the link, please, everybody. Yeah, somebody find that for us. So I this is just totally my own personal bias speaking, but that kind of music needs to come back. I don't think, and I, I don't want to sound mean by saying this, but I don't think Joseph Shirley is going to be the one that you gives are. it to us. Um, but Star Wars is the place to bring it back. 
And, you know, if John Williams is not going to do any more, um, whatever the next movie is, they better find someone that's going to bring it back into the mainstream because it's, it's too important a piece of film history well, to you just know let it die out. When was, like, I know it's 20 years old this summer when Pirates of the Caribbean had that going for Was that Hans Zimmer? Yes. Like it yeah, had that, that was going for Yeah, there you go. But it had that going for it. You're like, oh, man, this is – like that music is freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's so over the top and it's so orchestral and it, it, it is it is great. But I don't think we're going to get those on these shows. But I, don't, I think – like I've liked the music of the streaming series, but Mandalorian was great. But even the, Man- the Mandalorian theme, it's not that big – robust star wars song and i'm not saying we don't need that for mando season three like mando is its own thing and i think that music is perfect for mando and boba fett was perfect for for boba fett but but it's just you know like acolyte i feel like i don't know who's composing that if they even hired anyone but that one having never seen it so obviously i can't really say for certain but the synopsis and those set pictures i feel like you need that big robust orchestral sound and it's not going to be john williams uh it's not going to be jacchino who did prep and landing that's right um mm-hmm. you got to find someone <clears throat> that wants here's the thing andrew you have to find someone that wants to live in that who wants to play in that sandbox it's like and and i, I know you haven't seen it because you're stubborn even though you have fanny awards and you don't want to talk about it but but top gun part two I mean, I still like am baffled by that movie, and it made one point four billion dollars, and it was a sequel to Top Gun that knew it was a sequel to Top Gun, that didn't shy away from being a sequel to Top Gun <laughs> and embraced everything that made Top Gun Top Gun. And I haven't seen Top Gun in like thirty years. Like it was I'm not like a diehard Top Gun fan. When I'm watching, I'm just like, this feels like it was made in 1987. Like it just like. It just kept going. You're like this whole, and the thing is, it's like, it's old Tom Cruise, who's old Tom Cruise, in it, and he's like, but I want to be young Tom Cruise. And like, you can't be young Tom Cruise. He's like, but I want to be. And they're like, but you can't be. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, I'm just like, why is this hitting all the right notes? And it's because, they, and when they like the movie, not as one, but it's like they just embraced everything that made that like that made Top Gun Top Gun. They embraced it in this, and I think. When it comes to the music of Star Wars, you have to find someone like that as well for you. And and the thing, even though uh, man, I'm not gonna say his name, but the Mandalorian composer, he shifted gears, but he stuck to the guns and the shifting gears, and it still has the undertones are there, where it's it, it is like the the smaller scale old western version of a John Williams theme. Yeah, and embracing is kind of the key word here because. If you're going to do music like that, it has to be sincere. Uh, it has to come from a place of utter, complete sincerity. And I feel like the reason why it's so unpopular now and you just don't hear it anymore is that um, a lot of the mood of big blockbusters now is a bit more jaded, right? It's a bit more snarky. Uh, Marvel humor is is a bit more snarky. It, it spends half the time taking the piss out of the fact that everybody's a superhero, uh, and it's not a hundred thousand percent sincere about it. And you can't have that attitude 
with that music, I don't think it would really match up very well. So I feel like something like The Acolyte, and this is just going completely off what I see, what I read, because yeah, I haven't seen it either. I don't have access to a time machine, but The Acolyte looks like it's going to try to be a dark film noir. It looks like it's going to try to be like the Maltese Falcon or whatever. Um, and it's going to skew more towards the the darker jaded side of storytelling and therefore be a darker jaded story. And I don't think we're going to get that kind of music in it, James. I think the best place for that to come back would be Skeleton Crew because mm. it's it's young people. It's the sincerity it's the innocence it's that it's old school adventure which is where star wars comes from that's where it was born but so, it's also going to take place in that mando verse skeleton crew is going to take place in the mando verse i think it is yeah i'm pretty sure that's been and that's okay because mando takes place in a new hope verse and that's i mean true. so anything's possible but i think that's the right place for it you just need sincerity and just hollywood really just lacks that now they really just lack that sincerity uh when it comes to big imaginative things because it's not cool to be a big imaginative thing anymore i don't know it's not cool to be that without being edgy about it right so it's yeah it's lost i think i think a lot of it's lost its way and it tries too hard to it tries too hard and yeah. i think Star Wars, you know, George Lucas tried very hard, but he did it effortlessly. So it feels like there was no trying whatsoever in that original trilogy. Like it was effortless. And obviously it's not, but you have to make it seem that way. It's like when you watch Michael Jordan play basketball, it was effortless. It wasn't LeBron James effortless. It's not right. Tom Brady effort. It's not, those are all efforts, but they make it look effortless. And that's <clears throat> what it's got to be for these. But for some reason you can feel the effort behind everything. Now it's like, everyone's just trying as they don't try. Just, just quote Yoda. Yeah, be in that moment. You know what's a great example? Willow. The Willow movie has at least two that I can think of beautiful, sweeping orchestral themes. I can't remember who composed it. I think it was James Horner who did Willow. Uh, I could be wrong about that. There's a thing called Google, and it's a search. I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with that, James. I don't know. No, so I, don't I know you're not. That's why I'm going to do. I'm going to do it for you because I know that you are. You're calling right now from an old McCain frozen orange can so orange juice can so i'm gonna go in the <laughs> yeah i attach my orange juice can to my ham radio with a piece of string um, it comes all the way down the, the uh however <laughs> far away i am from you it's but willow flawless. has two beautiful themes gorgeous themes and then we get the willow show which i actually enjoyed i think it's an even more fun story than the movie was but it's trying so hard to be hip and modern and just like throw pop songs, throw rock songs, right? Those themes are virtually gone. You maybe hear hints of them once or twice, but it's all like contemporary pop music that's that's put in there. And by contemporary, I mean like, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever. But it's the, or the orchestral scores, finito. So you need to lose that sense of trying to be cool and just embrace whatever story you're telling. And I think this comes from where my frustrations with Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy as a whole 
<clears throat> starting from the Force Awakens, not <clears throat> when he's miserable in the Last Jedi. Because I'm really indifferent to all like that stuff. I'm like, the fit that my problem was it felt like Luke Skywalker and a lot of these movies coming out now, which is why I think Top Gun stood out for me. Because I love, you know what? I, I love Ghostbusters Afterlife. I like it more than I thought I did. It's my new go to movie, Andrew, when I need to put something. I've watched it like probably like 30 times since June. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when Aaron was pregnant and I had to put up all like the baby stuff, like the cribs and the dressers and stuff, I would put it on and it was just like the, and it, I would just go to it. it when I put on. So I've probably seen it like, honestly, maybe not the whole thing, but like 30 times. Like constantly. I just put it on like the other day. I'm like sitting with Selena. We're just sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to put on Ghostbusters. And it's just the one I put on. Cause I half pay attention, but and I love that movie, but I'm like, this movie is, <sighs> It needed more of the original Ghostbusters in it for the ghost, not for the movie itself, because the movie's fine without them. But it needed it for the impact of the Ghostbusters at the end, and and I think that the thing that threw me in with that and the Luke Skywalker moment and what you're saying with like Willow in a way, is that it's not these aren't coming from places of earnest, I guess, where it's like we're not in world where we are now the children that grew up with these writing these and we're writing it from the outside perspective of them, yes. not the inward perspective. And I think that's where things are getting shaken and mixed, messed up for me. Cause I've always been like, like Luke, like the last, like I said, last year, Luke never bothered me because I also brought, I think predicted that like two years before the movie came out, we were like, well, he's going to be miserable. So I was ready for it. And it's Yoda and whatever. But the problem was in the last, in the force awakens when they're like, he was a myth. I'm like, but, but Luke wouldn't, I don't think he would have allowed that to happen. Like it's so so like the idea of Luke being this heroic character is more from the writers looking in on Luke than the universe looking in on Luke. And and I and I feel like that's the same way with a lot of the music. It's like, oh, this is how we're gonna approach the music because of the, because when I watched Willow in 1988, I was listening to Jenny Jenny, what's your number? And then now you know I stole that. Like it's like that's how I feel like a lot of these things are. It's like we're looking at it from our own personal perspectives on it, but not the perspective of the in-universe. Yeah, that's that. There, there is that disconnect. You're absolutely right. It exists, and I, yeah, I have not seen Top Gun Maverick, but I'm happy to hear that it is a thousand percent just embracing the world of Top Gun, and that is a perfect answer to my question of like, why does why are so many people raving about Top Gun Maverick? If that's the case, then yeah, absolutely. That would be a, a perfect answer to that. I still think but the best it, legacy sequel ever made is Cobra Kai uh, because they embrace it too. And even the music in Cobra Kai sounds like 80s music. Yeah, I've heard but, that. Uh, I've heard that. I haven't seen that. I heard it's really good. But they're probably on the same page where, for me, Top Gun was the best of the legacy sequels that I've seen because it just did everything. And I haven't seen Cobra Kai, but it just did everything. I'm just like, it didn't, it's not a perfect movie. Don't get me wrong. Like, I thought, I did feel like it kind of just kept going at the end. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to. Let's call it a day. But like <clears throat> we talk about this all the time when like Dewey showed up in Scream. I was like, that was the most to me organic way to get a, a OG character in, a legacy character into the requel. Cause I thought Han Solo was kind of forced and Ghostbusters are hundred percent forced and can't remember other ones. But like those are that, but but Top Gun's just like, oh no, it's about Top Gun. <laughs> like it, it doesn't force anything. It's just uh -huh. and it <clears throat> it doesn't try to like there's no like the message there's a message but it's not forcing it like it did feel like it and so cobra kai everybody loves cobra kai though like it's and it's gonna end it's gonna end next year's the next last yeah. season's coming up so uh 
Cobra Kai. Oh, but they're making Karate Kid Five though. Or yeah, four. I've heard. I've heard that as well. I've heard they're doing a movie that uh, I don't know what they're going to do with that. But no, Cobra Kai is in the same vein where they nothing will feel forced at all. But it's the kind of thing where like, if this was you know, let's say Cobra Kai was like a Ghostbusters legacy sequel instead of a Karate Kid legacy sequel, it'd be the kind of thing where, for example, one episode would come on, and all of a sudden you would be seeing what's her name. Um, is it Jennifer, the girl at the beginning that's doing the shock therapy thing with Venkman? Like imagine an episode where she shows up and the guy who is chewing the gum, who's getting shocked, they show up and it would not be forced at all. And they would become like fascinating characters and they would interact with people that you wouldn't think they'd interact with. Like they would be interacting with like Walter Peck or something. And it would be like a genuinely like interesting episode. Like that's how Cobra Kai works. You're like, oh my God, that bit player from Karate Kid Part 3 is suddenly like hanging out with Ralph Macchio and it makes total sense how they got to this moment. And like, now I'm in invested in that character. Uh, they just, I don't know how they do it, man. They're magic. We need to start a Cobra Kai podcast. What? I could, <clears throat> you could do it while I'm watching it for the first time. That could it's be, be called talk first, talk hard, no mercy. I think Brock and I had an idea for a podcast where I just read the Harry Potter books for the first time. And we talked about them while I read them because I've never read those books. I like the movies quite a bit. I own them all. I even own two of the three Fantastical Beasts mm -hmm. movies. Uh, I enjoy them, but I've never read the books because I'm an adult and the books were <laughs> never really. <laughs> and I was like, and the worst was when they're like, we're going to turn this. I did buy in uh, California, I bought the um, Sorcerer's Stone. Sorcerer Stone novelization because it because it, I was like I could I got a kick out of it being called Sorcerer Stone when it's the Philosopher's Stone, and the fact that they didn't think that kids would know what a philosopher's like it's like the dumb marketing decisions. I uh, know I did want the wand, Andrew at Universal Studios. I I talked to Aaron. We were at Universal Studios the year we were at Star Wars Celebration, and I said, Aaron, I'm gonna buy a Harry Potter wand, and she said, No, you're not. And I was like, and they're like 50 something dollars. Or there was two of them. There was one that was more expensive than there was two. Well, one that you could use at the park and like trees would like move or something. So I was like, I'm going to get one. I can get the cheap one, but I'm going to get one. And she goes, no, you're not. I said, but if they have Kenneth Branagh's wand, I'm getting Kenneth Branagh's wand. And she goes, fine. Like that was like the thing. Cause that, he's my favorite character. And he's, in, I don't even know his name. Lightheart, Coldheart. He's not a real wizard. He's terrible. So, I like Kenneth Branagh quite a bit, even though I don't like Thor. So I go in, and and I'm looking at all these wands, and they have have you like they have thousands of wands. There's probably like five, but there's like just like a wall of all these wands. And I'm looking, and I'm like Brock, what is the guy's name? And Brock, I think just like in the moment, like under pressure, forgot, or he didn't listen to me, and he walked away. One of them, <laughs> and he, and I'm like, I need the wand. And then a worker comes up, and they're all in character, right? Yeah. And I was like, I need. Kenneth Branagh's wand. <laughs> you put it in my hand, I will give you this credit card. And she, she looked at me dead in the eyes and said, Sir, we only have real wizard wands here. <laughs> and I said, <clears throat> Card back in my pocket. And I, went. <laughs> I was like, That was the only They had some really cool looking ones there. They had like the Death Snoke things. What are they called? The tree beard anyway they had some really cool looking wands and but i was like i only wanted kenneth brana's wand and they wouldn't sell it to me uh, so. yeah the anyway. wizards don't know who kenneth brana is james 
<laughs> no, no, she she corrected me with his name. She was like, Lockhart? Is it Lockhart? Yeah, Lockhart. I guess Lockhart. She corrected me like right away. She's like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. And then she goes, we only have real wizard. I'll never forget. Just, and I think Brock laughed. He had a good laugh. And I walked out and Aaron was very happy that I didn't waste my money on the stupid <laughs> one. <laughs> Yeah, the Wizarding World doesn't love him because he's a big old fraud. I mean, everything in the Wizarding World is a fraud, so he would fit right in. <laughs> it's a great place. Any, any, I've heard Super Mario Brother, no, Super Nintendo World is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I know anyone personally that's been, but they had like a thing, and some people have been tweeting pictures of them in there, and it was a great time, and whatever. Yeah, maybe one day. I don't know. Theme parks are not especially my thing. Um, plus, I'm. I think all... you'd. I think you'd really like the Wizarding World. Maybe you're a big Harry know. Potter fan, right? I am, but I don't know something you know, about being in a theme park where it's like that person is being paid to speak to me in a British accent. Like it creeps me out. <laughs> like, um, there, you know what? There wasn't too many of those, but there's like the you get a kick of that, and you would love uh, Avatar Land in Disney World. Because even I liked Avatar Land, and you know how I am with Avatar. Even mm. before it was cool to beat my way about Avatar, which I don't think it is anymore. I can't <laughs> no, tell. It is not no, cool. But actually, no, the thing is, though, no, no, no. But nobody still wants to admit that they like It's like the Nickelback of movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like nobody wants to admit. I haven't seen Avatar 2, but clearly people have seen it many times. And no one is admitting to this. The only difference is that people who love Avatar, they watch it, they love it, and then they don't, you know, they don't follow that up. They don't. With like a 40-hour YouTube thread. They're just like, yeah, I really love Avatar. (laughs) No, like the Avatar land though at Disney is phenomenal. Like totally recommend it. The rides are fantastic. The atmosphere, everything is just wild at that part of the park. And I'm not even a fan. I was like, I didn't even like it. And I was like, this was, I went four year, 2018 I went, and I was like, I didn't like Avatar then, and I was like, I still wanted to go when I signed up for a fast pass at like 6 a.m. for it. Like, I, I was all in on it, and it was worth it. It's like, it's so cool, really great experience. So, I, I think you get a kick out of that and a kick out of the Wizarding World, because the Wizarding World is um, Butterbeer. Brock mm-hmm. loved Butterbeer. I did not. He said it tastes like a root beer float. It did not. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I wanted pumpkin juice, but I got the butterbeer instead. Do they have pretty bots every flavor beans? I think they they have honest they have the chocolate frog. But so you go, you have to if you do it right, I suppose, you have to get a um a pass for both parks. So you have to pay out of your butthole and then out of yeah. your butthole again. But you take the train, the Hardworks Express between ah. parks. But when you go on it, the the platform, what's the platform number? Nine and three quarters. Yeah, that one. So you go in that one, and when you walk through it, there's like a mirror. So you disappear. So the people in front of you disappear into the wall. It's really cool the way. Yeah, and then you go in the and then you go in your your cart in the in the in the train, and there's a fake window. But outside the window, there's like Harry and Ron in the flying car, and then oh. the car crashes, and then on the door, like the chocolate like frogs like jump on the door and like climbing up the door. And then when you get out, you go to a ride, and the car is crashed, like in the ride. It's a really cool. It's, it's a really cool thing. I'm, I don't know. I'm talking about Harry Potter and Star Wars, a Sun Star. <laughs> but I'm trying to sell you on it. Universal paid me to get you to go. Ah, shill. Okay, I got so, it. Yeah. No, it was a. 
anyway, I think, but, but I haven't been to Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge. Uh, my sister has, Brock has, uh, Disney Desi, I don't think she has. Uh, Heidi <laughs> Fetter has. And, and everybody's like, everybody gushes over it and talks so highly of it. And I have been to Hollywood Studios and I got to see Phasma and the Stormtroopers on parade. And they go right up, to, they went right up to like kids and like talk to them. And it was, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, yeah, those places they not. How do we get on this topic? Tangent. I can't remember. Oh, Avatar. But it's a good Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. Avatar. Uh, of all the things, Avatar got us. Does, does Phasma like snap at the kids and try to frighten them? You there, stand up straight. Yeah, so yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like a full blown like, get up. Who are you? Are you a, with the resistance? Like that kind of thing. And then, mm-hmm. then they just keep marching. <laughs> Whatever. It's fun. The Star Wars music plays in the background over all the speakers in the park. You know, like everything just comes to a halt. Anyway, whatever. It was fun. I don't know if they still do that with Galaxy's Edge. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. <clears throat> yeah, maybe not. I mean, Galaxy's Edge really has waned in terms of just. I remember when it came out, there was like, here's the Galaxy's Edge book and another Galaxy's yeah. Edge book and a Galaxy's Edge comic. And I think they even have an art book for it. Uh, and I'm kind of glad we moved away from that because the one Galaxy's Edge book I did read, which was the sequel to the Phasma book, it literally just felt like a commercial for the park. Like it probably was. They're, they're trying to continue the story that they told in Phasma, which was a neat story. And the main character is just like, and then I went to the cantina and got a delicious meal of Ronto steak. And I'm just like, this is a commercial, man. Stop it. <laughs> The book, the book was actually just a brochure on why you should go to Galaxy. Yeah. You thought it was a book. You were mistaken. All right, let's wrap this up, Andrew. We've talked long enough about. Look, from what I'm going to say is, is we're going to be there's going to be so much Star Wars coming out that I think the music is unfortunately going to be very hit or miss. Like, I don't think the music in all the Marvel shows is memorable. I've seen what two and a half of the Marvel shows, so I'm not the one to really speak to that you're more on that but i don't think it's all been memorable i haven't heard anyone talk about the music for any of those shows quite frankly no the so, shows don't have memorable scores at all some of the movies but, do but, but that's it. also the marvel movies are known for their scores it's not like star wars where the star wars theme like how other movie how, how many other movies do you go to and when the logo hits the screen with the music people clap right it's very rare star wars is one of them and it should be it should be rare and star wars should be one of them because that is a moment. Yeah. That and James Bond. Yes. Joe. Yeah, James Bond, yes. Yeah. They're both they're both in that wheelhouse of iconic, very very similar and very different at the same time. Like Star Wars is literally just the words silence and then words, and James Bond is an animated circle gun barrel. Yeah. And it shoots you in the face. Right in the face every time. Mm-hmm. Who's your Except pick for the, the next time. James Bond? Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's, uh, he's I heard you really. Want, I heard you really want Aaron Taylor Johnson. Somebody really wants Aaron Taylor Johnson. Probably Aaron Taylor Johnson. But um, I, I won't be. You know, I'll, I'll be cool if he gets it. That's fine as long as the movies are good. I will say this, and whatever you think of Daniel Craig as James Bond is, I don't really care. I hope they get someone that likes playing James Bond. <laughs> Because I didn't think Craig was bad at James Bond, but I was just getting sick of him complaining about James Bond. And it's like when you sign up for James Bond, it's like when you sign up for Batman, you're like, I don't want to wear the cowl. Like, it's James Bond, okay? It's like you're signing up for James Bond. Like, put your ego aside and realize 
it's above you. That's all I hope. And I actually, I didn't mind Daniel Craig. I liked, um, I liked one of his Bond movies, which one? The Casino one, Casino Royale. Casino Royale. I really, I really like Casino Royale. Um, I saw that after I saw Quantum of Solace. Ah, (laughs) I go reverse. I like to go machete order. Yeah, I like to go machete order my James Bond. And then I've seen, I think I've seen all of his James Bonds. There's only five. That's still a lot. There's only five. I've seen all of his Glass Onions. Okay, we need to wrap it up. Plug your book. All right, my book. Uh, plugged side, it at the top. Yeah, side scroller. This is my book right here. If you're watching the video, it uh, is available right now on Amazon in paperback and in ebook, and you can get it uh, if you like adventures that are set in worlds that run on video game logic, because that's exactly what this is. So if what I just said floats your boat, then this is tailor made for you. And I may or may not have more books coming very soon but more on that another day what kind of books those are fantasy books james those are old school fantasy adventures um that uh you know they're kind of star warsy in a way uh it basically stemmed from being in high school when i started creating them from like being a huge star wars fan and watching lord of the rings for the first time and then having those movies coming out at the same time and being like, I want to make something like this. So they came from that. So Star Wars and Lord of the Rings had a baby and that baby was raised by me. That would be them. All right. Well, there you go, everybody. Go on Amazon, buy Andrew's book. You know you want to. And keep your eye open for his next few books because they are going to be in better than side scroller. I don't know if I interrupted you. Everything froze for a while, so I took a guess on when you were done talking. Um, <laughs> thanks oh, for joining me, Andrew. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. Uh, and go enjoy Avatar. How many times have you seen Avatar? Just once or twice? Just once. Trying to save money, so I didn't How go did a second so time. Much money? I don't know. How did it make so much money if everybody only saw it once? <laughs> Guaranteed missed, people saw yeah, it like four something's times. Something's missed. The nickelback, the nickelback of movies. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. Give us a like and a subscribe. Happy Star Wars Podcast Day. Congratulations on 24 years. 24 years. 24 years is insane. It's a lot of podcasts. <sighs> All right, Andrew, go right. May the force of others be with you. Always. Hey, scumbags. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up on our video. As always, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rebel Scum Podcast, for all the latest videos.